0: You are listening to Tech Grind, behind the scenes of leading high tech ecosystems, with your host, Nadav Kedar. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Tech Grind. I want to say a big thanks for the great feedback we are receiving. I get emails and messages with thoughts and suggestions from listeners, and implementing these ideas we get from you really helps each series of episodes become better. So keep it going, and thanks. If you are enjoying Tech Grinding, go ahead and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Tech with a Y. Okay, so... Let's get going for today. Today with me here is Alisa Gewurz. She is the co-founder and CEO of Liquid360, a company that is disrupting physical security integration management, taking data out of the control room and putting it in the hands of anyone relevant on ground. Liquid 360 is turning existing security infrastructure to a 3D augmented reality wonder that saves lives. Alisa is an engineer and global entrepreneur that has facilitated deals in the scope of billions and has a track record in so many fields that it's just stunning. Lisa, um, what are some of the fields?
1: Well, first of all, I think you described what, what we do better than, than I've ever <laughs> described it, so thank you. Uh, I'm really lucky I uh, actually I was started my first business when I was a teenager so that was in arts and crafts so that's really <laughs> it's, it's not really a field but it was it was it allowed me to make money and it was my first little business so that was really cool but I'm an engineer uh, basically and 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 I worked in manufacturing heavy manufacturing steel making and automotive mm-hmm. in more than 20 countries and uh, and then I uh, when I was pregnant with my first child. I thought, well, how am I going to go into those places? And I started a clothing business because I do like wow. I like fashion. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and I, I also I uh, was uh, my ex-husband is a is a physician, and I ended up starting a cardiology practice and clinic wow. and integrated with um, in multiple ways. Uh, that was also really exciting. I don't recommend American healthcare to anyone, but it was, it was still a really, it was a really interesting challenge and it was a very cool thing.
0: Amazing. I mean, and, and to top all of that off, Alisa has served as honorary consul for Switzerland in Arizona for more than 10 years. I, I mean, that's quite a list.
1: That was really an extraordinary thing. <laughs> I, I, so if you're a Swiss. You're required to register wherever you're living in the world. I mean, you don't have to, it's not a law, you're not going to go to jail, but if you don't do it, you won't have all of your privileges. And certainly you can't renew your passport. And suddenly I had a call uh, when I was living in the US if I would become a diplomat for Switzerland. And I said, (laughs) oh no, that's not me. I am not diplomatic, I'm not. Uh, I found out from my years in engineering, I was a little too straightforward and they said, well, at least come and have an interview. <laughs> and I don't know how many people they called, but they, uh, they interviewed us and I did it. And I have to say, it was an amazing challenge. It was an amazing opportunity. And I got to work with extraordinary people like Solar Impulse, you know, the solar plane that went mm-hmm. around the world without a drop of fuel. Wow. I worked on that project for years. It was really cool.
0: Amazing. So we will dive into that a bit deeper in the first part of the journey. Um, I just want to quickly remind our listeners about what we have today and how the structure is. Uh, So we have three parts of this talk, 20 minutes each. Part one is the journey, how Lisa built her way up and uh, her journey up to that point. In part two, the beehive, we will be talking about the surrounding business arena around her company, Liquid 360. And in part three, the Superman moment is about why her company is an amazing sh- solution in the market and in uh, uh, and, and a solution for the pain in the market. So let's get going with the journey of Elisa Evertz. And then here I want everyone to take a moment and imagine. Imagine you're on a vacation, your child is with you, and you're having a great time together. You look aside, and then to the other side, but suddenly your child isn't there. Your little baby girl is missing. Your heart is pretty much racing right now. Security and authorities enter the scene and start deep searches and questioning of individuals, but your child is still missing. Well, for Elisa, this was not an imagination. So, up until that moment, how did your journey go?
1: Oh, okay. Let's go. Uh, so was, <laughs> you took me back to New York and, and exactly when she disappeared, but... Uh, I was, uh, I was a really difficult kid, I got into a lot of trouble, <laughs> and, uh, and th- but that was know, way long ago, but I think it really set the stage for everything that happened. Uh, anyway, I mentioned that I started a business when I was a teenager, I liked having pocket money and, uh, and then I never learned about engineering because in my family you could be a doctor or you could be a lawyer and that <laughs> was really about it, there really weren't a lot of options. And by chance I met, uh, I was skiing all the time and I, I, I ended up meeting an engineer. And when he was talking about what he did, I realized that was me because I've been playing. Lego had been my favorite toy my whole life. I was always using tools to cut and build things out of wood and out of metal. And I, I could use a little, even a, a metal lathe uh, to to shape things as well as wood. And And I was very interested in soldering uh, hadn't yet learned how to weld, and and I really liked building yeah, things. That this. was it at what age? Um, uh, this was uh, metal lathe was about grade five. Wow. So yeah, it was. But I had been always getting into trouble and doing. Things. I took apart. <laughs> I I was punished at school in grade three at a teacher that hated me. <laughs> that was the beginning of a long trend.
0: And for for what were you punished?
1: Oh, I I don't. Well, I was I was always doing i was always disruptive because i was bored out of my mind and 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 i really remember that i was it was painfully (laughs) boring but i got i was told that i couldn't go out to recess and i had to stay in the classroom and so i took the phone off the wall and i took it apart all the way across (laughs) the room so I, i i was i was i was bad kid so you know it's just interesting to put things so I figured out I was an engineer I went and studied engineering I intended to do aerospace engineering I wanted to do civil because I literally wanted to build things in space and I wanted to do civil first and then my master's in aerospace but in my first year I learned about material science and I was in forensic engineering and I was absolutely hooked and that was that was the beginning of the path and Uh, I did a thesis in conductive polymers, which was amazingly interesting. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but then I went to work in the steel industry and that was amazing and painful, (laughs) but I loved it. I loved steel making. I know that sounds crazy, but it's, it's, first of all, a steel plant is the size of a city and a small city and, and you're, you're dealing with things that are dangerous like Mm -hmm. people can die. And there's lots of rules, but I developed the deep drawing quality galvanized steel there that was that really made uh, a lot of success for uh, the main customer was General Motors, but automotive in general. And I did other other really cool projects, but honestly, I got sick and tired of the of fighting with with the uh, administration, and then I went to work. In, uh, I went to work for a natural resources company.
0: Why was it? Why did you have uh, difficulties with the management?
1: Well, so when I developed this deep, deep drawing quality galvanized steel, uh, I wasn't asked to do it. I uh, was hanging around research a lot, and I, I was a development engineer. And I found out that they had been working on this project for years, and I looked at it. And I I really thought they had the wrong approach. Mm -hmm. And so I used Taguchi Experimental Design and I created a a, a panel for how I was going to do this experiment. And then I just looked for things that could fit into my experiment without asking for money because they'd Mm -hmm. already spent a lot of money on this. And so what I did was I went in on night shifts and I just got the operators to do things that were... Uh, that were more stringent in terms of the parameters of producing the steel in whatever stage it was in, from pouring the hot metal mm-hmm. to uh, rolling the hot metal to rolling the cold metal to galvanizing the steel, everything. And I just and I followed those those things all the way through.
0: Did you step on someone's toes with that? Uh,
1: I I don't think I directly stepped on anyone's toes, but when the head of metallurgy called me in, I honestly thought. That he was going to say, I remember Andre, and I thought he was going to say, "Hey, good job," because I did it by coming in by working, you know, not just my normal shift of work. I was coming in an off hours to run it, wow. and I wasn't pulling. I wasn't making anything like I wasn't. I was tightening parameters. I wasn't creating new parameters, and and because the power of this this experimental design method is that you can extrapolate from the information that you gain. And so you know exactly what to do to get the properties that you want. And this is the power of it. Ma- the reason I love material science is that it's quantum mechanics. It's building everything from, from the source. So it's, it's really, it's, it's amazingly powerful. Material science, you, you can design a material to do whatever you need. And I had had very cool experiences. You know, part of this thing of being a little bit... Uh, i don't know stupid or not sensitive socially or something was that, that I, I worked for a professor as his research technician while i while i was going through my undergraduate degree and that exposed me to uh, to forensic for um, forensic projects and forensic research, for example, a, a Harley Davidson fracture and a, a Harrington rod, which is a rod for people with scoliosis that mm-hmm. they insert in the spine that had broken and had it broken because there was something men- wrong in the manufacturing. And I got to use a, a scanning electron microscope and then a transmission electron microscope, which is, was in those days a million dollar machine. And it was an amazing thing for an undergraduate to be able to do, but it was because I was I was just always, I was so curious. I was willing to do almost anything Mm -hmm. to, to learn stuff and to, and to find out why things broke. And I I think that's a
0: great example of the entrepreneurial spirit where you can be in so many fields along the years. And, and that kind of, uh, raises the question of, okay, from there, from that field and from the steel and, and all that that you have in your background already. How do you go into the world of, of security and what you do today? How, how, what's the leap forward? Well,
1: so there were lots of leaps. Basically, I love learning. I'm a curious person. I love learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when my, uh, uh, when, when I was living in the States and I was creating this, uh, healthcare clinic, well, I went to work, I mean, I, I became a world expert on the sulfurization of steel with magnesium and I did that. In uh, many countries around the world, including 100 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle in Finland, that was cool. And and uh, and then uh, and and also zinc aluminum alloys. I wrote a little book about that, and and then wow. um, and you can find it on Amazon except it's wow. never available. <laughs> and then uh, and and then in the, the, the creating this healthcare clinic. I mean, I read cardiology for 20 years. I could tell you things about epithelial cells that you have no interest in ever knowing. Uh, and, um, but for example, I was living in Arizona and I grew up in a very conservative, energy conservative household, resource conservative household. And I came to Arizona and the, uh, it was the desert, it was 40 degrees outside, mm-hmm. and the Celsius. And yet in the middle of the afternoon, the hottest part of the day, where transpiration is happening the evaporation of water they're watering golf courses oh you know, man and so i thought i thought wow there must be a lot of water here wow i just can't see it, it must be you know aquifer so i started doing started reading about it and i, I started reading and I, I created my own series about the politics and the policies and the pricing of water and i ended up writing presenting it at an academic conference <laughs> uh, in mexico city um, and and being feted by the Israeli uh, delegation, it was actually a really mm-hmm. interesting. It was a really interesting. Thing to, so, so this, you know, doing a deep dive and learning about things, it's it's actually really really fascinating. And as an engineer, I, I, I did that into into different areas. And then as a diplomat, I did that as well. Uh, so it's it's. Um, You can learn anything. If you can read, reading is a skill that is the the key to to everything. Because if you can read, you can learn. And if you can learn, you can understand. And and so that's really... But how did that get to me security? Well, security because of this incident with my daughter. And... uh, When was that? So that was in New York at my cousin's wedding uh, many years ago. And we had uh, three rooms. My parents were there, my four kids and me. And... All of a sudden, two of my boys came, my oldest boy had gone out with my mother to do something, and two of my boys walked into the room, and I said, where's your sister? Because they're not supposed to be wandering between the rooms by themselves anyway, and my five-year-old wasn't with them. And so I went running back to my parents' room, and my father was alone. So I said, you know, I gave him the boys, and I went to call security. And I started to pick up the phone. Actually, I did pick up the phone in the room, and there was a cord. (laughs) And and I thought, oh no, I'm not going to be anchored to this room. That's not happening.
0: Because if you didn't make the phone from the room, then
1: then I'm stuck in the room. I have to stay mm-hmm. there. So I I call from my cell phone to the front for the front desk. I asked them to con- to connect me to the security. I verified that he was the guy with the wall of screens, and then I asked for his help. And to my great frustration, he couldn't help me. Wow. And I really well, didn't understand. Why? Why couldn't he have it? Well, I, I actually don't, to this day, you know, I, now I know because now I've done the deep dive and mm-hmm. I understand, but he couldn't help me. He was looking at the wall of screens. I kept asking him, you're in front of the wall of screens, aren't you? And I said, can somebody look back on the, on the video recording five minutes? She hasn't been gone more than five minutes and have someone look back while you're looking That's for live. her now. Like mm-hmm. he looked at for her. I wanted him to look for her live. I wanted one of his colleagues to look back on the video management system and and I'm talking, and I said, "But shut down the hotel because my daughter could be drugged in in a suitcase," wow. and that was, you know, and and so I'm running through the halls, I'm checking the stairwells, I'm calling her name, I'm talking to this guy on my cell phone, and I'm and I'm perplexed as to, and the more that he can't see her, the more worried I am. Oh,
0: okay. So, and, and basically, you are managing the person in the.
1: Absolutely. I'm, 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 man, I'm managing him because he's not responding to me wow. in the way that I, I honestly expected that they, he was, I was going to speak to him. He was going to tell me where she was. I was going to recover her in a minute or two. And that's what I thought was going to happen. But it's not what happened. Wow. And, and so uh, I, I ended up taking the elevator to the lobby, searching the lobby, and then taking the escalator to the street level. And I'm on halfway down the escalator, and I see my little skinny five-year-old pushing on the door to the street to go out, and nobody's even looking at her. And I called her name, and she jumped in my arms, and I hugged her and thank God. And I said to the guy on the phone, "Can you see me?" And he was silent. And I thought, okay, well, and
0: and and that's the moment that you decide, okay, okay, I have.
1: Well, no. So, 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 honestly, honestly, I was, I had, I was angry, and I was relieved, and I was thanking God that my my daughter, you know, right. Ruch Hashem, got my daughter, and, and I thought he was incompetent. I wrote. It was actually later that I understood that it wasn't him; that it was the system. And and that's
0: a great kind of lead to the second part because that leaves exactly the question of was he incompetent or is it the system and how it works that leads us to part two where we will understand the ecosystem and the market of where you operate so that was part one the journey and uh, we learned about I we learned a lot about it, but, uh, <laughs> your background fascinating and uh, join us for part two of the beehive just a